and welcome to Chats a Television Podcast Season 15, Chats 8. Each week we watch and discuss two episodes of the Netflix original series, Sense8. My name is Alan, and in this country, sometimes the only place that you can find a brave and honest man in the podcasting world is here. It's Magellan. I'm listen, listeners, I'm here to tell you that the the people who are selling you your uh-huh. Uh-huh. Food mm-hmm. are in the pocket of big business. Big food. Big food. Because who deserves to be hungry? Who needs to be hungry when you can just have Soylent? That's why I only eat small food. Oh, is that vegan? Yeah, little peas and oh. chickpeas and... Fava peas. Fava peas and... Did you know that honey is not vegan? Because bees make it? Yeah, but then this sparked a small debate in a Discord of mine recently... As in today, because someone was like, it's not from, it's not bee though. It's a bee product. Why is it not vegan? Bee product, byproduct. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. But like, doesn't that seem weird? Like, isn't everything, if you zoom out enough, like a animal byproduct of some sort? Yeah. I, I guess that's a, well, how do they make honey? Like, does it involve some kind of secretion process? Yeah, it does. Well, do then that, because like mm. milk isn't vegan. Right. Because that's secreted. It's from an animal. It's produced by animal labor, is what somebody eventually settled on. The bees partially digest and regurgitate the nectar and then fan it with their wings. It takes 45 days to make finished honey. So it's like their barf. We're eating their barf, which is a byproduct of them. Yeah. And it's their labor, which is, that's the part where I understand, like, if we're not trying to make animals do things for us. But, like, didn't animals pull the carts that brought us our kale and salad? Hmm. (laughs) Bit is going nowhere. Take How are you, Magellan? I'm good. I'm good. It's it's uh I'm a little sleepy, but I'm excited to podcast about Sense 8. Things that'll get me get me juices flowing once more. Usually Friday night is when I'm making bad decisions in the city, but Magellan had me stay home tonight to make bad decisions on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I'm making bad decisions in SimCity. No way that electrical plant's gonna power that entire district. <laughs> We zoom in on Magellan playing SimCity, and he's placing 15 power nuclear power plants. <laughs> the guy with the green hair is like, no, no, stop. And he's like, click, click, A click, tornado click. comes through and slowly destroys each one. <laughs> Causing a nuclear <laughs> chain reaction. Yeah. And then you turn around, you're like, I'm gaming. <laughs> I switch tabs to Zoo Tycoon and watch as the animals kill each other in a big dust cloud. I tab again to Roller Coaster Tycoon, where I've made a 6,000-foot <laughs> roller coaster with no end so I can watch the people fall off. <laughs> And everybody waiting in line is pissing themselves. <laughs> and vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> Deleting bathrooms. God damn. Oh, I loved, I loved those games as a kid. God damn. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. I've, have enough, I've had enough laughter for one day. I'm like sweating already. Want to talk about Sense8 now or no? Let's do it. Imagine you said like, nah. No, I've, I've done that before. We've done this bit before where I'm like, no, I don't feel like it, but we have to. We're obligated to talk about Sense8 Season 1, Episode 7, WWN, WDD, and also Season 1, Episode 8, We Will All Be Judged by the Courage of Our Hearts. Which episode this week had the more annoying title? Magellan, you go first. I We will all be judged by the courage of our hearts. I'm trying to think. That was from the Lido's movie. Correct. Yeah, he says it, and then later Hernando says it to him. 
I think that title's okay. It's long, but it's cool. Yeah. WWN Double D is like I I would have liked the title more if it was just what would Nancy Drew do. Yeah, like why make it this mystery that you only find out in the episode? Yeah. It's good, it's silly. Yeah. Uh yeah, okay, fair enough. I agree. I think WWN Double D is not fun to say, but we will all be judged by the courage of our hearts is like extra in the way that Sense 8 is extra. Yeah. So What Would Nancy Drew Do was written by Lily and Lana Wachowski, as well as J. Michael Straczynski. It was another episode directed by James McTeague, and like the rest of season one, it aired on Netflix on June 5th, 2015. Magellan, what happened in WWNDD? In this episode of Sense8, Nomi makes a shocking discovery about her former doctor, while Will gets closer to the truth behind his visions, and Kala's doubts grow stronger. Good. I love we got to make sure, by the way, at the end of this episode that we rank the sensates because we haven't done that in a little while. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I think it's I think it's time to do a re-rank. A re- we got to yeah, absolutely sort the sort the kids. Yeah, I can okay. I can find our initial rankings while we talk about this. Perfect. <clears throat> now, before you do that, what tell you have to tell me what you thought of WWNW. <laughs> that one, the first one. Um, you know, I thought that this episode was a bit of a bridge moment where we're kind of like stalling for time in the episode so that like the dramatic main plot movement happens at the end Mm -hmm. and it wasn't my favorite um i think there i don't know i think also like there are some plots that i just like more as slice of life stories that had to make moves uh in this one to be more dramatic or to make bad things happen and so it was a kind of a clunky episode for me that was a lot more about plot than character i think there was still quite a lot of characterful stuff in this one that was great and i still like generally liked the episode and was entertained and i liked the show a lot Mm -hmm. but this was just not not my favorite what about you yeah, it's definitely a bridge episode. I agree 100% there. I saw a couple of reviews that said the same thing. And, you know, in the age of in the age of man, in the age of Netflix, that's way more common because it's like, oh, you're just going to hit the next episode. We don't think about what this one means in, in like to zoom in on this one, which is what we're doing on the podcast. So like, yeah, it felt kind of fillery, not fillery, but yeah, just like we're going to set things up where we can't resolve them, though. Because to resolve them would be to move plot forward too much, and we need to save that for the next episode. Um, and my other thing is that, like, my memory of Sense8 is that from here on out, the, the like, quote-unquote A-plot, the Whisper stuff, starts to take on a lot more of the show. And it's where I started being like, okay, action movie, now we're just doing all the action scenes in a row. I kind of liked it when we were just vibing and talking about our feelings, but okay, I guess. Uh so that's just, you know, I'm, we're seeing that the very tip of that starting to happen a lot. Uh, yeah, which I, I think there's some world building stuff about that that's uh, intellectually interesting, but... For sharks. They almost did too good of a job of making the characters lovable because then it's like, ah. I don't want to watch wanna... you guys, like, struggle now. Yeah, just, like, make them have another orgy. That was good. I like that. I like when we talk about our feelings, too. I anyway. can I can talk about my feelings with you if you want. Okay. I feel happy. That's great. I'm glad. I I also feel love when two lesbians chat on a roof next to a motorcycle about their hacker friends. <laughs> all the 
All the hacker stuff was a little silly in this one, huh? Big silly. Big, big the Wachowskis. Yeah. I don't know how much of it is like grounded in any sort of real hacking type stuff or what, but it all just felt like, like, what was that movie? Swordfish? Yeah, Swordfish is a movie that features hacking. That's correct. Or hackers. Yeah, yeah it all just felt like Swordfish stuff. For a second, I thought you were saying Swordfish features hacking or hackers, but you were saying Hackers is another movie with Separate hacking. movie, 1995's Hackers, yes. Yeah, that's the one I wish I could have seen your sentence written out instead of listened to it verbally. That's the power of audio, baby. It's <laughs> sometimes it works. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Nomi and Neat stuff is fun in the sense that they're like teaming up and going on an adventure and they're doing all this stuff like, oh, what would Nancy Drew do? Oh, time for a costume. It's like very charming, um, but it also, yeah, it's like now I have this device that can clone this guy's phone. Like, huh? Okay. I, yeah. I guess that that I'll go with it. So I, I was conflicted about this direction for this plot. I don't think any of this hacker stuff is realistic. It's just movie. It's movie entertainment. Uh, her hacker friend being named Bug, for example, like what? That's that sounds like a character who's on the the ship in uh, in the Matrix or something, like one of the other people. Uh, and she says to to Bug when she's asking for equipment, uh, "I need a candygram, a feed trough, and oh, you have a water witch." And it's like, the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, and I, maybe these are real things. I don't know enough about hackers, but like, a lot of the stuff that she does in here is so it's so there for narrative convenience that I can't. I can't possibly possibly believe that all of this hacking technology is real. Uh, and if it is, then it wouldn't look like this or it wouldn't feel like this. Hacking is boring. That's what I always hear uh-huh. when people talk about like realistic hacking is it's super duper slow and boring and it just involves you staring at a computer for hours on end. Mm. It's not sexy like this. Yeah. There's also kind of a weird exchange where Nomi was explaining that her friend Bug hacked the pentagon <laughs> and then she's like but i took the fall and needs is like what <laughs> and nobody says i was a juvenile i had rich parents they let me off with community service which Excuse doesn't me? feel <laughs> like for hacking the pentagon <laughs> a federal why i don't know it's fine white people white privilege rich white people I, yeah i guess i guess Maybe that's the um, gag that they're going for, but it felt ridiculous. Did yeah. She hacked the Pentagon. Or her friend hacked the Pentagon. Yeah. The character stuff in this that I enjoyed was seeing um, Amanita's mom. Uh, yeah. Because Nietzsche is like, you know, oh, like, Nomi's so cool, mom. You don't understand. She's like a really hot lesbian. And uh, also she hears voices. And then her mom is like, oh, my God. She's like, the, she's like all of us stoners in the 60s. I remember when we all used to hear voices. And that meant that you were cool and in touch with nature and, you know, the vibrations of the earth or whatever. Uh, Amanita and her mom are both very corny in these episodes. Uh, they talk about this story where Amanita's mom is like, "Oh, I, uh, I had a similar feeling to what Nomi's having right now, um, because on the on for the Fourth of July, and she turns and says like, you know, Amanita doesn't like fireworks, and Amanita just has to say the fucking line, why celebrate with symbols of war? Wars are always a failure, and it's like, <laughs> it's just so." It's like what I wrote in middle school about like why war is bad. She's also got like a lollipop in her mouth or whatever. Wars are always a failure. 
It feels a little silly. If I didn't know who was writing the show, I would feel like this is a, it's almost like making poking fun at like young like leftists or young liberal types and how like naive they can be. But like I know it's not that. It's just is it it's coming from a place of naivete and also it is showing that like yeah, I mean it is she would say something like that. She's kind of weird like that. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, but I think the interesting thing of that anecdote is the implication that maybe everybody has a little sensate type thing going on and uh, the sensates just happen to have a much more pronounced ability to tap into it, it seems like. Exactly. They they have something that like specifically with the eight of them amplifies it, but everyone has it. We know we, we already sense aided that because like in Riley's plot, that guy who is from Lord of the Rings... Adar, that guy, uh, also had things similar to Sensei Power. Like, we've, we've seen this. We know this. But now it's confirmed that, like, literally her mom felt this, quote-unquote, vibration when her daughter disappeared and knew where to right. find her. And so right. it's there. Uh, yeah. And this is, like, where the main plot starts to kind of push into everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Because between Will and Nomi's plots, we learn of uh, the fa- a bunch of nonsense about Dr. Metzger and how he's been, like, paid to travel across the country doing this lobotomy procedure on multiple people, who all two of whom died. Uh, and the third one is a man named Niles Bolger, uh, who didn't die and is in San Francisco in a, uh, uh, a, a facility. An assisted living facility. He's in a vegetative state, it seems like. Or is he? Because is in the he? second episode, Will sees him opening up a suit and putting on and equipping a gun. And in this episode, uh, Nomi and uh, Amanita, like, does this the episode where they sneak into that then do all that stuff or no? Yeah, this is the episode where they sneak into Metzger's apartment and yes, they Nomi gives away that she called Doctor. What's his face? Bad. The guy, guy whose name is also called Whispers. Yeah, she called Whispers and Metzger's like, oh, fuck, we're fucked. And then Niles comes in and shoots Metzger and then shoots himself in the mouth. But in his reflection, it's not Niles, it's Whispers, who we've seen before, potentially controlling his body, Um, which... He goes by Dr. Friedman in this episode, I think. But yeah, they also eventually go like, that's Whispers. Um, so yeah, so we get the sense that like there is a greater conspiracy going on here. In the second episode, we learn all this stuff about like the shadow organization that Whispers is associated with BPO. and that Metzger was getting paid by. Um, yeah, BPO. And so it seems like they're doing something of like we want to find the sensates and figure out how to control this mutation or however we're scientifying it for this show. Um and use that to exert power over the world. You know, it's one of those bad guy things. And um, turns out maybe the sensate powers can be used for really bad purposes, like controlling minds, potentially. Um, that's right. something to Whispers is on. basically taking people's brains and brain and autonomy out so that he can then jump into them and do whatever he right. needs to. It's the classic, right. like, rich, evil person manipulates vulnerable people to do what mm-hmm. he wants and it's intentional that the main one he's doing this to or trying to do it to is Nomi, you know? Right. It's like right. the the th- the themes are written on the wall in bright red colors. We know that. Just like right. in this episode when uh <laughs> son is painting and uh the woman throws red paint on her uh paint on her thingy. Right. Right. 
Um, I think that covers most of their stuff. There is like, you know, the charming WWN Double D, which is what would Nancy Drew do because Amanita is a big Nancy Drew fan. She goes into the apartment. We can talk about that stuff in Stray Notes. But uh, point is, uh, by the end of this episode, Whispers jumps into into, uh, uh, that guy, the big guy, shoots people, shoots Metzger, and then shoots himself dead. So like, oh, my God, what a twist. What are Nomi and Amanita going to do next? Meanwhile, in other places, uh, there are. It turns out they have feminism in South Korea too. <laughs> Don't write that in your notes, Alan. That's a dumb joke. <laughs> God Almighty! Yeah. So Sun is in prison. This is like a really brief plot in this episode, but kind of fun. It's harmless. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all, all her and all the lady prisoners are instructed to sew. Uh, they're like you know doing prison labor. We love the prison industrial complex uh, and how it exists in other countries too. Um, but a bunch of the women find solidarity with Sun and, and are impressed and happy that she kind of screwed over her family. Um, and that's where we get the line that I called you, which is one of the women says, in this country, sometimes the only place you can find a brave and honest woman is in prison, which is, mm-hmm. the, again, the themes are on the wall. Right. The irony of this, of course, being that Sun is here because she did the opposite. She took the fall for her family to like preserve their wealth and power. Yeah, but do you almost get the sense that she like feels bad that like she I guess she does, right? She's like I shouldn't have done this. Um it's she's hard to read, right? Um because she stays pretty steady and I think she's spending a lot of these two episodes reading the situation and figuring figuring out how to like stake out her corner of this world. Um mm-hmm. I think what she's mostly feeling is like a sense of um hope for what's possible like she can live a life like these women where you say fuck you to the the fathers and the brothers of the world and do what you want to do i think she's starting to understand what that could look like for her and and a different kind of femininity from the kind of femininity that was like prescribed for her by her mom when her mom was passing away I don't know if she yet feels like she made a mistake necessarily, but I think she's she's open she's to that. It. She's questioning it, yeah. A lot of this episode and maybe the season is about that, like the the prison, so to speak, that society puts women in and puts the puts all of us in, um, you know, regardless of gender. Because also in this episode, Joaquin, uh, Daniela's uh, current husband, I guess, uh, says like, you know, the reason that he would attack her is because like he's a Mexican man, and that's just how it is in this country. Uh, but we can talk about that next. I want to finish your point, though. Yeah, I was just going to say that there's some fun lines in Sun's plot here. One of the women says, um, she's talking about her her husband and how she's glad to be away from him. He was physically abusive. And yeah. then Sun is like, well, what happened to him? Or or why are you here? She says. And the woman says, because I put rat poison in his, in his beep and bop and killed the motherfucker. Which Let's is fucking awesome. go. Let's go. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we cut from Sun's plot to the Leto plot. Uh, the sewing thing also happens in Sun's plot. I don't know if we're doing each character. Oh, sure. Plot. Yeah. Let's do the, the sewing stuff. Yeah. Yeah, just just she meets a woman named Sujin in there, and they have these piles of clothing that they have to sew. Uh, but a big scary bully keeps dropping her clothes on Sujin's pile, making her work longer. And Sun is like, "How often has she been, has she been doing this?" And she says, "Oh, you know, just like whenever the sun is out, which means all the time." Uh, and so she feels bad. And so then later, 
Is it then in this episode that Sun is like, that's bad? I'm actually looking at my notes and not seeing the fight and stuff happen here. That's in the next episode. Okay. So for now, we just know Sujin feels bad and kind of lets a bully walk all over her. Yeah. the That stuff doesn't come until Sun is judged by the courage of her heart. Oh, God. It's God, God, God. <laughs> um, okay. Let's, let's, let's do the Leto pivot. My favorite pivot of the show always. Yeah. So things seem great <laughs> in Leto's yeah. world. Uh, Daniela has cracked the code and is having Hernando play the bodyguard. That's the, that's the new approach. So they're all at a fancy dinner together and there's this really fun moment where, uh, people try to get a picture with Lido and Hernando does not a good job of being a bodyguard. (laughs) And then it's like, ah, I'm so sorry. This isn't going to work. And then the paparazzi show up and he like slaps the cameras out of their hands and he's like, get away from this man. And that turns out awesome. We feel great about this. Hernando is an incredible bodyguard. Uh, There's something thematically good about this, by the way. Uh, First of all, the the other thing is because these are a bunch of queers who watch movies together because one of them is a movie star. Uh, Uh Lito is Whitney Houston and Hernando is Kevin Costner in The Bodyguard. (laughs) So it's sexy. Right. Um, and I just love this part here, though, where, where he's playing the bodyguard and he says he's like surprised that he did so well. And he says, I believed it, too. And it just, you know, again, the mm. themes being on the wall, like sexuality, gender, performance, being a bodyguard, like all of it is about right. I, I mean, all we're doing here is performing. It's not. W- but one year later, that young Alan goes to their uh, Boston literature course at college and asks their professor if gender is real. And the professor said to me, and I quote, it's not that gender is or isn't real. It's that it's a performance and not all of us know that we're performing. Mm. And that caused something to crack inside of my brain a little bit. So I just think about that stuff a lot in the way that like Hernando is like putting on the character of being a bodyguard, just like Lido is spending all of his days putting on the character of being a straight man. Mm. Um, it's really good stuff. Yeah. And I, uh, Really enjoy the way that this plot is trying to deconstruct that and explore that and have a little fun with that also. Totally. Um, and so then we go home. We're having a great time. We're sneaking kisses in the elevator when the doorman's not looking. It's all going great. But then, uh-oh, who's here on the couch? It's the luchador guy. And, uh, hey, I'm not going to waste your time. It's me, Joaquin, under the mask. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not pretend any longer that I'm somebody else. Uh, it's just me. He says, I'm not, feels the, like a, I'm so, not sorry. the bad guy. I'm the sad guy. That's funny. That's a good job. No, yeah. the I'm not the bad guy. I'm the sad guy. is amazing. This feels like a telenovela on fast forward. The fact that mm-hmm. he's like, it's me, the luchador from last week. Anyways, it's me, Joaquin, <laughs> Daniela's husband. Right. Right. Uh, I also just like the, the fact that Maybe it's it's the limitations of a show. Maybe it's just a, the pacing. But, like, we still only know, really, like, four people in Leto's plotline total. <laughs> like, they, they didn't add a new character. They just... It's like, who's the mysterious masked man? Oh, it's one of the other two side characters that exist. <laughs> it's very uh-huh. simple. Uh-huh. Very straightforward. Uh, and so, uh, Joaquin is basically... It's weird. It's a really strange scene. And it's the the threat of, of sexual violence. Because uh, it's... 
he's talking about like, oh, well, you know, wasn't I a good partner to you, Daniela? And she's like, well, at least you, you, well, you hit me and Lito doesn't do that. And he's like, well, it's just the way that it, that's how it is in my country. That's how it is in Mexico, which is fraught. Even if there are parts yeah. of that there, even if that contains a kernel of truth, it's just, it, it is fraught. And yeah. what really got to me was that he doesn't want to like kill Lito yet. He wants to watch Lito have sex with Daniela, or at least that's what he says. And yeah. They're like, that's gross. That's disgusting. You're awful. Get out of here. And his last line as he walks out is, Leto, fuck her in good health. Ugh. Sheesh. I love when bad guys are just bad, right? Isn't that just fun and simple? Maybe wars are always a failure. (laughs) (laughs) It can just be that simple sometimes. Yeah. Uh, This this scene... uh... I don't know. I mean, you know, we'll have to talk about where this plot goes and it obviously is incomplete by the next episode, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it was really interesting the way that this plot uses dramatic irony to create like a really scary moment. Um, Mm -hmm. cause just that idea of like, I want to see you fuck her Lido. Yeah. Um, and we're wondering as the audience, like, how far is this guy going to go in, like, wanting to see that happen? Or is he just saying stuff? And Posturing. what is he capable of? And mm-hmm. then what Daniela says about how he physically abused her, it's like, it's just a really, yeah, tense, unpleasant scene that makes us think about, like, things are things are only going to get worse from here forward. And so the question is, like, what is that worse going to look like? Right. This this scene is trying to start the like Cohen Brothers esque, you know, series of unfortunate events. Like this should right. be simple, but uh, Joaquin happened to also uh, get some photos from Daniela's phone of Lido and Hernando having sex, which he's mm-hmm. planning to use to blackmail them. Uh, there's a moment where they're like, Daniela, why did you take those pictures? And I really want to applaud the show for not like putting all the judgment and blame in that moment on her right? because uh, she does that right she's like mm. i have fucked up irrevocably i'm very sorry and i don't deserve to continue being a part of this group mm. uh but it isn't there isn't like five minutes of leto being like how dare you you that's disgusting that's a breach of our trust it's like you know we what we can do is we can deal with what has happened instead of being mad that it happened you know we can move forward yeah because also it's not the problem isn't like you were watching us having sex what the fuck because like it's part of the thing that that they've got going on is like she watches them have sex Mm -hmm. so they're you know they're really just upset about like you have photographic evidence of this shared secret that we're trying to hide uh which is yeah definitely a more sex positive uh reason to be upset Mm -hmm. uh yeah i just always like to to shout out the moments when the show like could clearly do one thing because like otherwise the show is like super predictable and does the thing you expect it to do all the time um is this oh the trunk thing happens in kala's plot line the big trunk that was (laughs) that was my moment of the week where i was like wouldn't it by i watched these episodes with my roommate and i'm like wouldn't it be funny if she said this and then she fucking said it and i was like are you kidding me stop it why every week i swear guys um to briefly explain, uh, Kala is uh, speaking to the statue of Ganesha once again and being like, you know, you're giving me all of these visions. You know, you gave me visions of my wedding and that was like really nice. And you've given me visions to guide me. And uh-huh. 
you showed me like a woman dying, which was really weird, but like, I don't know, symbolism or something. And then, and then I turned to my room and I said, and then he showed me a guy with a big dick. And she literally, <laughs> why did you send me a vision of a man with a very large dot, dot, dot trunk? Because she's looking at Ganesha's an elephant. <laughs> and I was just like, come on. And, and not only that, but then we pan back and Wolfgang is blurry in the background. Like, hey, what's up? I'm holding, I'm hanging out here too. Uh-huh. So, so goofy. Uh, she doesn't get the answers she wants, but she does get to have a sort of meet cute again with Wolfgang where they talk about um, their differences, their lives, and it intercuts between a rainy uh, Germany and a really sunny and pastoral rooftop in India. Yeah. Uh, and how their connection is a kind of miracle. Um, this is cute. This is all very cute, right? Yeah, I think so. I really like uh, the Wolfgang Kala stuff. I don't know. I mean, I think I was a little down on the Kala plot line in the pilot uh, and the way that they're setting it up. But I find their conversation here really charming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I especially love the moment where he's trying to be like, oh, so you think our connection's a miracle? And she's like, well, I'm here in the sun smelling beautiful flowers and I'm here in the rain tasting the coffee in your mouth. So like, yeah, <laughs> like Probably. you are not chill out. You're not like God's gift to women, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, we're literally in each other's brains. That feels pretty miraculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that that moment a lot. And uh, it's a moment of joy, right? Even though, like, she's talking about the rain. And by the way, I, I want to shout out the whoever the makeup artist is for Kala because her, her like, waterproof makeup manages to hold together by a thread in this, like, very bad fake rain. Uh, <laughs> it's just, like, really hard and but impressive. Uh, and, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're flirting and there's like some connection there. The spark is increasing, et cetera, et cetera. And then we go back to Wolfgang and we continue to, to wonder, Hey, what's going on? Is, is Felix all right? He seems to be so doomed because earlier in the episode, he says, Oh man, Wolfgang, we have a couple of diamonds left and I finally found a buyer. We're going to be fully rich and set for life. Just like walking to his grave, basically. Uh, and that naturally means that back at the shop, a woman tries to, to distract Felix and count him to the front door where the bald guy from the pilot drives by and shoots Felix in the chest with a shotgun. Ladies and gentlemen, we called it from 17 miles away. <laughs> yeah, this guy was sentenced to retirement from minute one. The minute he was introduced, yes. Yeah. Did you catch that? That was the guy from the pilot who turned around during the funeral and was like, your dicks are going to be on standing up or whatever the fuck he said. No, I didn't catch that. It was that guy, but I was excited. Sense. It's one of those things that you wouldn't get if this was watched only one a week, but because we're watching it pretty quick, I was like, Oh yeah, I know that guy. Felix is in the balance. Felix's life is in the balance. We'll see where that situation goes. I don't know how well you can survive a shotgun to the chest, but I always, I, I always, you know, plot rules. If we don't see the body down on the floor, bleeding out and dead, then they're not dead. So um, I think it's going to be. Well, like he's with rushing. him in the hospital in the next episode. That's so true. He's not, That's absolutely he's true. Not, no, he's not dead. Yeah, I always forget like time wise where things happen. So I was like, did I remember that or did we watch that? Yeah, we did watch that in the second one. Uh, who does that leave us with this episode? We have Cavius and Riley, which is pretty brief. Yeah, really sweet. this is a nice, sweet exchange. Uh, Riley is going home to Iceland to see mm-hmm. her dad. Uh, cause she wants to see him perform and, uh, we get a lot of her dad in this one. Her dad is adorable and Love. also doomed to death. Unfortunately, <laughs> it seems like similarly like Felix doomed. he's got a cute 
uh, earring and he plays the piano and makes pancakes. He plays uh, fucking a... Bob O'Reilly. Yeah. Oh, on the ukulele Riley. when she lands. Yeah. Yeah. Very cute. That's lovely. Um, and Caffius visits Riley on the plane and he's so overjoyed to be on an airplane. He's never been on one before. And he says, you're so lucky. And Riley says, no, I'm not lucky. I'm privileged. And he's like, okay, well, your dad's alive. That's lucky. My dad's dead. So take that. Um, I just think it's a nice little exchange that they have here. Yeah. And it's a moment of like, you know, when you're in your own head, you think, okay, what's the word? Like, I'm so worried. Something bad is going to happen. And you just have to flip the script and remember empathy and go, oh, well, what if he says to her, like, what if something good is going to happen when you go to Iceland? Right. What a great, what a great line. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a flip of perspective. A good day and a bad day are, are literally words apart. Um, but that, that that was all very charming in that, on the plane. And then I, I made a note that, like, there's something about the performance. I don't know how it was directed or what, but the feeling that everybody who are interacting in each other's scenes are, like, physically very close to each other um, because they know that they are in each other's heads and it's not like you're a new stranger to me. Uh, like, Cabby's, like, climbs over Riley to, like, look out the window uh, like their siblings or like their best friends, not like they are people who've never met each other. Uh, and it just gives me this very warm feeling of like, mm-hmm. you know, that intimacy, that physical comfort with another person can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to be like just your, the people that are in your like nuclear family or whatever. Right. Uh, just a little thing I enjoyed. Um, yeah. And Caffius also has a flashback to his childhood very briefly. We don't know what's going on here, but his mother was asked to take to leave him with another uh, group of people because his dad has some evil blood or something. And she's like, no, I want to take my son with me. I'll deal with the bad blood elsewhere. Screw you guys. This is I get I've this didn't even register a pulse for me. Uh, I think this is going to come up later. It makes it seems like it will. But I hope it's not like his dad was a sensate or something. That would be really weird. Yeah. I, I'm, I couldn't quite make heads or tails of it. So we'll not, see how much to it. Not much to it. Yeah. Uh, I think that basically leaves will. And then the, Oh, gosh, there's the one more Kala thing that I really loved. Um, the Kala flashback that happens in this episode. Um, there is like Riley's dad comparing just my, Oh, I'll, I'll say that for straight notes, the Riley's dad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Kala has a, explains a flashback of like, why do you care so much about Ganesha? And she says, well, I was at a festival once, which I, I excuse me if I'm wrong. I think this is holy based on the like colors and the fact that there's dancing in the streets and whatnot, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Hindu festivals well enough. Um, regardless, a young Kala is at a festival with her mom. She gets lost from her mom and a strange boy takes her under the Ganesha float and says, do you want to see what's under there? Do you want to see what Ganesha sees? And we get an absolutely beautiful shot of just like humans dancing, colors, smiling, grinning, flying, like every beautiful color and adjective you could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of framed as like the moment where Kala came to believe in her faith, uh, which I thought was really great. Because that also is is like in the conversation with Wolfgang where she says, he's like, but that's not real, right? Like faith is not real. Science is real. How are you a scientist who has faith? And she says, well, those things are the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. science is quantum physics. Science is believing that two things can exist at once, and mm-hmm. faith is ex- believing the same like things that seem impossible. So, right, such a cool, such a cool exchange, and a great way of connecting the two of them. You know, with Wolfgang as the realist, the hack, the the safe cracker, the 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 doorman, whatever they call him, and Kala as this like deeply religious person, but that that doesn't separate them; it connects them. Yeah, 
Really cool. And it gets him to smooch. All this gravity talk is getting oh, a, little, yeah. a little attracted. Just a little bit, though. Not too much. Not too attracted. Just yeah. kidding. Um, nobody cares about the will stuff. Basically, long story short. <laughs> yeah, it's not that interesting. There's this weird thing where there's this guy in Chicago. Ludicrous? Who, that was ludicrous? The guy. Well, so... Deshaun is the kid who he rescues in the first episode. Yeah. Who gives him access to Ludacris, who is a gang leader. That's the guy at the basketball court. And then Ludacris is like, hey, we have this child whose name is 4K. Oh, oh, oh. oh. I was like, that wasn't Ludacris, but the character's first name is Ludacris. The character's first name is, it's like Ludacris Lincoln. Yeah. Not Ludacris the rapper, no, but like it's silly. The, the, the subtitles spell it the way Ludacris the word is spelled, not the artist. Ludacris yeah. Lincoln is this guy's name. It's so oh god, who wrote this? Yeah, and there's like stupid weird backstory where Will like had sex had with sex his girlfriend with his or something. <laughs> says put your porker away or whatever. He calls it like a pork. Like, oh bro. Yeah, oh, I so, can't tell you guys how much so the Will plot is so bad. bad. Um 4K saw Whispers van, so they tracked the plates to the rental area. The guy at the rental area is like, they left the car completely clean. Open the back. They open the back. Only Will sees Angelica's dead body in the back. That's so weird. She's not actually there, but is she? Is she dead? What's going on? Yeah. I don't like Will very much. I'm sorry, guys. Even in the second episode when he says the line, sorry, I'm a cop, basically, I still was like, no, it's <laughs> not enough for me, Will. Yeah. I, I was hoping that like his connection to the Jonas stuff and the, the main uh, kind of plot of the series would pull him out of Chicago and out of the cop stuff, but Doesn't it seem like has happening not, yet. which is a little frustrating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I believe that covers everything. Do you have any other big things you want to talk about this one? Um, let's see. I think we talked about this pre-pod, but Nomi's hacker friend is just the worst guy. <laughs> what, he's, a, what he's, a gross dude. <laughs> so, I, I, I think of him as like the embarrassing friend that you had in high school that you like haven't seen in 10 years, but like you guys yeah. were really tight for a while and now your life is like 17 degrees further past him and he's like, what's up? Because, right. you know, dead names her, but seems okay with the transition. He says like, oh, of course you're different. Of course that's you still under there. Uh, so like... They don't want you to just hate him, but he's like kind of a slimy man at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a there's a bit of nuance to his sliminess. The way that he's like, oh yeah, I you're fucking you're a fox or whatever he says. You're so hot, Nomi. Wow, yeah, Her name's Nomi get, now. That's cool. Get out of here. Wait, you're but... a lesbian? That's sick. Oh my god. <laughs> Sucks. Oh, I I forgot to say that that exchange between Kala and Wolfgang, where she says all of this deep stuff about gravity and its importance in the universe and its unknowability, and then he just goes, "Thank God for gravity." And <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "Yeah, that's yes. what I'm saying." Um, pretty. It's good. when you're on a date and you're like, the other person just kind of parrots back. You can tell they just parroted back what you said, and you're like, "Yeah, that's yes, that's what I said." <laughs> yeah. Good job, you did it. I'm really worried for Caffius and the Silas Kabaka stuff, but the why? birthday party seemed cool. If I was right. a kid, I'd be like, why are we on this roof? It's so windy up here. <laughs> this is not a fun place to have a birthday party. Totally. 
And then my last thing, I think we talked about this pre-pod also, but the whole thing with like putting the crowbar in the door seems really <laughs> smart when you put the crowbar in the door, but then when it clatters on the floor uh, and it <laughs> informs everybody that something's up, not quite as useful, I would say. Well, she got it from, what did she say? She's like, I read a, she names it, she name drops an author. Oh, Lee Child. She's like, oh, I read Lee Child books. And they said that if you put a crowbar on the door, then it works as an alarm because it falls. And it's yeah. exactly, it's like, oh, they know too. But I think like the, the idea is that they're going to know regardless. You can't hide it from them. But it just, it's yeah, silly I that guess it announces so. to everyone. It's not the best method. Um, I had a couple strays. What do you got? Uh, when Lido and Hernando are making out and they're like, hey, what's up, guys? He sees a guy named Mr. Gonzalez. And like Mr. Gonzalez like definitely sees Lido kissing Hernando, like holding him up in the air and kissing him. And then he goes like, you're going to see a lot. This is Daniela, my girlfriend. And then Hernando, my bodyguard. You're going to see a lot more of them. And like that guy fully saw him. Is that not going to be anything? Okay. He's probably just an old man who thought that was weird. I don't know. But I'm positive that he saw him. Neither here nor there. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. Riley's dad, when they're talking over uh, crepes slash pancakes, uh, she's like, you know, you're awesome. You play piano. All I do is I DJ nightclubs. All I do is uh, play music for drunk people to have sex to. And he's like, you know, playing pian- classical music is basically the same thing. It's just that old people are too old and tired for sex. <laughs> it's something, you know, music, <laughs> the universality of music, whatever. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, the note that Dr. Metzger is friends with Dick Cheney because he has a picture of him with Dick Cheney in the fucking house is hilarious. Yeah. Again, a like a 101 like leftist thing to be like oh my god he's friends with dick cheney he must be bad like really? yeah that was pretty funny um and then i just put a note here we have to have one minor horny moment a week uh in the first scene with Daniela, she's in like a really great bathing suit and i just think she's a very pretty lady that's all i'm here to say i'll i'll go to i'll talk about this one in confession later when i go to church on sunday don't worry i thought a lady was pretty i'm so sorry father He's like, you must be, you will be judged by the courage of your heart. (laughs) Bada bing, baby. That's what we got. Let's take it to the brief musical break. And we will indeed, after that, be judged by the courage of our hearts. We're back. Welcome back to Chats 8. The second episode we watched this week was Sense8 Season 1, Episode 8, We Will All Be Judged by the Courage of Our Hearts. It was written by Lillian Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski and directed by Dan Glass. It aired on June 5th, 2015, which is when all of Season 1 dropped on Netflix. Alan, what happened in We Will All Be Judged by the Courage of Our Hearts? In this episode, Sun fights to adjust to her new life as Caffius tries to change his. Meanwhile, Will and Nomi dig up disturbing information that could change everything. Specifically the fact that the the guy, what we said earlier, whispers is lobotomizing people. It's bad. He's going to go for Nomi next. What's going to happen? Who could find out? Dan Glass, by the way, the director of this episode, is known for being the visual effects supervisor for most of the Wachowski's films. Like The Matrix and The Matrix Reloaded. I love it. So Visual Effects Guy did this, this, directed this one. It's really cool that they like let people in their their cadre direct different episodes. Um, Yeah, I agree. That's fun. 
some more action in this one. Did you like this one more or less than uh, Nancy Drew? Uh, I like this one a little bit more. Um, I think it had some more interesting... I mean, the, the title of the episode gives away the theme that like our characters are having to make some big choices and mm -hmm. some of them are making the right choice and some of them are making the wrong choice right now. Mm -hmm. um, and But that's like kind of the theme of the episode and multiple characters talk about this idea of choice and uh, their interpretations of it. And so I thought it was thematically cohesive and there was some some cool action stuff too. Yeah, I, I particularly really liked Nomi on the bike and all of that. That whole chase sequence was really well shot. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the action is getting better out the over the course of the show, while some of the character stuff still feels a little bit uh, shallow. Um, but uh -huh. other parts, it's weird because now we're not like in the pilot. I felt like everything was shallow. That was the point. And now that we've like found ourselves with fully fledged characters, you know, seeing shallowness, like, for example, Wolfgang's dad and in the flashbacks, it's like, oh, I forgot that this is the same show that I was watching four weeks ago uh -huh. or whatever. Uh -huh. It's really right. weird. Um, but let's get into this one. Let's crunch, as we love to say here. Uh, my first note was I love how much of this show takes place on rooftops, because once again, we stop. We start on a rooftop um, and we have a Wolfgang and Kala scene where uh, he is suppressing all of his feelings. Uh, because he's worried about Felix in the hospital. He's sitting, he's sitting next to his friend in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And the sort of tragic irony, whatever, if that's the word, is that uh, Kala is like in a crowded theater watching a wacky romantic marriage comedy with her family. Uh -huh. um, and she's crying, which, you know, I don't want to say is relatable, <laughs> but sometimes I do <laughs> feel a really big dissonance with like the way I know I'm supposed to feel and how I actually feel. And that part is actually super relatable so mm. i liked this little moment it's very simple it's a good a good scene to start the episode on um, yeah and uh wolfgang reveals to her that one of the things he's worried about is he wanted to change something that he couldn't which is the past he wanted to change something he's the decision he's made in his past as we talk about as we we worry about uh felix right I really like this scene with Wolfgang and Kala. And I was telling you before the episode that I find myself a lot more invested in them than in Riley and Will, who have yeah. um, some scenes in this episode. And I think the reason is because um, there are multiple dimensions of like both conflict and compliment happening between the two of them. Like what you discussed in the last episode, this idea that Kala is a woman of faith and Wolfgang is more of a nihilistic or uh, realistic or however you want to define his particular cosmology there. Um, but they're able to find common ground and talk about it. Uh, and then here, I think what has been drawing Kala to Wolfgang is in part that he represents a kind of like freedom from the like predetermined strictures of the life that she's living. But what we discover in this conversation is that like family is just as meaningful to him as it is to her. And it's this another point where they're kind of like meeting in the middle. It's just that like for him, blood is like a incidental or accidental, he says, connection between people and the much stronger way to find family is to find it by choice. Um, and it's just like such a cool way that they're developing a genuine like 
love connection with each other and pushing each other and challenging each other and, and learning more about themselves in the process. And it's really cool to see. I really like it. And there's something beautiful, too, about the like that this is a show about empathy, a show about understanding other people's situations and being able to live mm-hmm. it. That like right. you exactly like you just said, this is two people who, who where family literally does mean a lot to them. It's just that for her family is like safety, stability, comfort. We see nothing but nice things from her parents. And we see nothing but bad things from Wolfgang's parents or his father specifically. We don't really see right. his mom. Right. So, you know, it's a, it's a like East and West comparison also like in India and in a lot of countries like uh, in the Mediterranean area, for example, like Greece and the Middle East, like family is much more important and seen as more than just a blood connection. It's seen as like the only stable thing that you have and everything else mm-hmm. is temporary. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Wolfgang, with a lot of like, you know, Western Europe, for example, or like the United States, what, uh, often family is viewed as like the people that get you to where you need to be. And then from there you make your own family. Family can be found. Family can be uh, created. And like both mm-hmm. of those are, again, what I love about Sensei is they're both portrayed as completely valid. There's right. no like West right pe- Western people being like this and they're wrong. It's like, yeah, they're all, they're all different ways of thinking about family. Um, yeah. Felix is as, is more family to Wolfgang than uh, his father is, which makes right. sense. Yeah, uh, and that leads and this to is, some fun flashbacks. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, just on the flashbacks, this is the rare case where I think flashbacks work for me in the show, and because I've said before that I don't think they make sense in Sense Eight, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and I think what I like about them is it feels like rather than a character being in a conversation with like a real life person sitting next to them and them saying like, "Man, I remember back when I had this." experience and then we flash and we see it instead the flashbacks are kind of like interrupting the sentences and it feels as if wolfgang is like showing kala his memories kind Mm -hmm. of which i think is pretty cool um yeah so i i liked that effect a lot more than how they've been used especially in like the pilot episode or the first and couple of episodes. What, what made the, the flashbacks in this one really fun was the casting for young Wolfgang and young Felix is so good. Really uh, good. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's mostly the hair, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but the guy who plays young Felix is so cheesy and and funny and warm in that way that Felix grows up to be that I, I just, I thought like, you know, with them watching Conan the Destroyer together and then going around beating up bullies and quoting Conan at each other was like... Mm-hmm. Adorable and so fun, uh, and we get a little bit of history too, right? It's you know it's the eighties uh, or the late eighties, early nineties. So like the Berlin Wall stuff is still happening, and there's this West and East Germany thing where you know uh, Wolfgang is getting like bullied by people at school, uh, and then Felix like beats up a bunch of people with a fucking metal pipe, which is baller. Mm-hmm. Um, all this stuff, even although broad, is very nice. It's like hey, hey. When they were kids, they protected each other when no one else would. Super simple. You get it. Um, but then we were also mentioning pre-pod how like Wolfgang's da- dad uh, is like a Facebook quote of like a toxic man made mm-hmm. into a person. Mm-hmm. Life is just five things. Eating, drinking, shitting, fucking, and fighting for more is like something I could see people plausibly thinking is a cool life motto. Uh, yeah. But it's not. It sucks. Well, it's there's something not being said by the show that I just was thinking about, which is like, that's one way that you could take life lessons from Van Damme movies or from, from eighties mm. action films. It's like, 
All it is is, is like fighting and getting what's yours. And it's like, well, you could also be like, it's about helping others and being a good person, which is what Caffius and Jella and Wolfgang mm. and Felix are all taking from these old movies. Mm. Uh, so it's point. not the, it, it's a, it's kind of a point about how like the art doesn't make you a bad person. Like consuming the art doesn't make you a bad person. Playing video games doesn't make you a bad person. It's just that mm. you start with a bad seed from a, you know, how you were raised, how you were um, socialized, socialized. And then that yeah. can turn into a bad person. Uh, mm. However you consider that. Um I thought that was all pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the majority of the da, 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 the Kala and the uh, well. There's other Kala stuff. Oh uh, God, let's end <laughs> on that. That's intense. Yeah, the the Wolfgang stuff is is pretty much just him hanging at Felix's bedside. Um, he was right. going to, and I don't think we said this in the previous episode. He was like, "Oh, I want to go to India," and Felix is like, "Oh yeah, yeah. India." Um, that's fun. But uh, that has, I think, now been put on hold as he waits for his friend to awaken. Mm, I can't wait yeah. for the India plotline. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we can close out Kala's plot at the end, like you said, because that's the actual end of the episode. Um, but who else? So you want to talk about Caffius? Sure. It's a quick one, quick and fun one. Yeah, so if we're thinking about people being judged by the courage of their hearts, the choice in front of Caffius is like, hmm, do I keep hanging out with the guy who cuts people's fingers off or do I not? Or do <laughs> I go get beers with Jella, which she does in this episode? Yeah, and that's that's the courageous thing to do. Um, that's a nice scene. It, it is a bummer to see Jella so angry at him and calling him a motherfucker, um, but our our pals are reunited and things things are fine except they're not and someone's watching him and this Uh-oh. is gonna get really bad did you like caffius or jealous mom being like hey shithead it's motherfucker i think that was like, his, i think that was his wife i wasn't clear on it because they talked about like oh she's mad at me and i was like wait mom or girlfriend or wife what i think it's his wife you're right i think that's what it was um, she's like shithead it's motherfucker and he's like um, honey I, I, I have a, you call all of my friends motherfucker which one of it is oh it's, it's that <laughs> motherfucker okay great yeah yeah so he's he's kind of like debating whether or not he wants to keep working with Silas and then seems like he's going to try to get out of that but uh, one day Caffius goes home his mother is cooking uh, Sukuma Wiki again and he's like oh you're cooking food again I love this and of course, a bunch of gangsters return, and they're like, "Hey, careful with Silas! Uh, you know, he mm-hmm. messed with me, and now I'm gonna mess with you." Pulls a gun on him, pulls a gun on his mom, because Silas took from that guy's family as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they leave. It's just a threat, but it's probably gonna lead to something worse soon. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess the this guy wants revenge on Silas. Is that the vibe? I think so. Yeah. Just like so, Silas, the guy who's uh hands he cut off that was like a former right-hand man of silas maybe that yeah. guy's the brother of this guy maybe that's the connection that's happening here uh, i think I it's know. he this guy used to work for silas or something oh he that would make killed sense. someone silas killed someone that he loved so then it's the usual uh you know the circle of violence everybody affects everybody and leads to yeah. more hurt across the board okay yeah yeah that's pretty fun uh, not fun. Sad. I hope he. Does. I hope he's all right. Yeah. Uh, the rest of these plots are fairly dense, so we kind of just have to. Pick. Uh, I guess Suns is pretty light, actually. Um, I yeah. usually like to hit all the light ones before we get into the the, the juicy stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she trips that bully from last week, Jinsu's bully, the big woman, and she's like, I am cooler than you. Sun always about using her body and her flexibility, not her strength necessarily, which is a mm-hmm. very cool like martial arts thing to do. Uh-huh. Uh, of course, the bully in the, the yard tries to fight Sun because they're painting. It's like, oh, it's a good way to release your stress. You should paint something beautiful. And Sun's like drawing her mother with her on a trip. And the woman like splashes red paint on there. And of course, Sun decides to go sickle mode. And uh, again, using their strength against them, they all like try to jump on her and she barely takes a single scratch. But of course, the guards see her knocking people out and are like, you're going somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, sorry, son. It happens. This is just going through the prison movie plot line, like beats, you know? Right, right. Pretty fun little action sequence. Yeah. But yeah, not. I'm done. I'm ready for Sun to not be in prison anymore, I think. Same. Because then later in this episode, they tap, they tap, like in Nomi's plot, they tap into her. And it's like, are we just going to keep using Sun for martial arts? Are we going to do anything else with her? Please. Mm-hmm. Please, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's use it to just talk about Nomi and, and Amanita real quick. Uh, yeah. It's a pretty fun continuation of last episode. Uh, so where does this all start in this episode? I know it starts actually with Will and how he's unraveling the Niles Bulger and the Dr. Metzger stuff. And he learns that the evil foundation is called BPO. Amanita is talking to uh, to Nomi while Nomi's talking to Will and says that it's like having FaceTime without a phone. Silly. Um, very silly. Uh, there's something funny about like, you know, Amnita is like, okay, yep, you're talking to another person. My mom said that that's normal. I guess that's normal. And meanwhile, on Will's side, he's like, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to myself. Like, this guy's asking, like, who are you talking to? And he just, because he can't be as open with his life and his emotions as as Nomi can, he has mm-hmm. still has to hide his sensateness. Uh, I think there's something there about, like, being open with your life right. and your mind. Uh, but whispers arise at the home and they're like, uh oh. And he like breaks into the home with a bunch of tough guys and they jump out of a window onto Corbett Ave. I mean, it does a funny trick where she tries to, to go to the bathroom and look like she's taking a tampon out and puts like red dye everywhere. So it looks like she's bleeding, which is uh-huh. hilarious, but doesn't even work. The guy's like, no, stop. I don't care. Get up. <laughs> like, yeah. I really would have liked it more if the guy was like, oh, <laughs> like fucking ran away and got scared. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Nomi gets a, hitches a, a bike ride and then she's, you know, riding a bike around. We got San Francisco. We got a bunch of hills. It's very cool. It's a good. We, we just watched um, the monk pilot recently for pilot chats. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I wish that that actually was in San Francisco. And this is extremely in San Francisco. There's no straight road right. for Nomi to ride on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she like does a bunch of dodging like she's in freaking GTA or something. And. Uh, when she gets cornered in an alleyway, we get both Will and Son coaching her on how to be a badass action hero for awesome. a sec. So cool. Ugh, Will's like, this guy's on your right. He's right-handed. He's going to get your right arm. Son is like, take a breath and do this fucking forward punch backwards kick. Oh, it's so good. Awesome. This is the cream of the crop. Yeah. And then she ends up in a car and Caffius is like, let me drive. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. And she goes into the passenger seat. Yeah. Like, that's freaking, I mean, at least visually. Like, that's just so sick. Caffius being yeah. there, I cheered, I hooted, I hollered. We love to see the man. And she gets yeah. away. Uh, yeah. We'll see what happens to Nomi next. Now she's separated from, Amini- from uh, Amanita again, though, which is not good. I like yeah, I'm a little scared about that. I hope that doesn't get uh, too bad. It's, we'll see. We'll find out. Uh, that brings us to Daniela, Lito, and Hernando. Daniela, I, and my roommate and I both genuinely thought that she killed 
Joaquin at this point. She cryptically calls Leo in the middle of the night and says everything's right, handled. I, I, th- I thought that too. Yeah. The and it's sadder than that. Like I was telling my roommate, I'm like, this show is pretty optimistic about like love and the potential like for the future. He was like, no, she probably married, got back with him, and I was like, no, she must have killed him, and then she's gonna escape. And it yeah. turns out he was right because she, it didn't kill her husband. He's just they're back together, and he's already um, uh, beating her again. Sadly, uh, they have a late night meeting, and they have her with the sunglasses. Take the sunglasses off. Oh my god, he's mm-hmm. still hurting you. She feels like almost like she deserves this, which is really sad. You know, it's like yeah. I know that the arc of the season is going to be her realizing that it's not her fault and you can escape circumstance by being a good first person and making up for it based on the courage of your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's the same thing that Leto obviously has to go through. Um, right. At first he seems like, I guess I'll just have to deal with this and feel bad that I don't get to hang out with Danielle anymore. Um, and he's filming a really steamy graveyard romance scene. Uh, and when he cuts, he goes over to walk to, uh, excuse me, to, uh, Hernando who's like, Hey, uh, I need to talk to you. Um, I don't think we can be together anymore because you let a woman give up her life for you and to, for your career. And that seems really shitty. Mm-hmm. I love, we, we absolutely stand a, a Hernando who's willing to take the hard line and be like, I love everything about you, except when it mattered, you didn't stick up for someone. Yeah. Yeah. I was really glad that he did that because when Lido just let. Daniela get back in the car I was like what dude Lito come on you know <laughs> when he tries yeah. to defend it to Hernando and is like oh she did this to herself it's like oh bro yikes oh uh, yeah very big yikes and and this is his his moment of like oopsie I can't even though yeah my career matters a lot but what Hernando says, and what, what even I think Daniela says earlier, is like, your movies affected people because it teaches them that you have to stand up for yourself. Even though these are like corny action movies, you have to right. stick to a moral code, and you're not doing that. So right. fucking get it together, or I'm leaving. Uh, leaving the hard line like that. I, I really respect Hernando a lot for doing that. Yeah. Uh, so Lito has some thinking to do, and it's very sad. And then Fernando's like, you know, we will all be judged by the courage of our hearts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. come on yeah it's not just a not just a stupid line my roommate before the episode was like they're not going to be able to say this one in the episode and i was like there's a character in the show <laughs> who's a movie star i'm sure they wrote it into the in-universe movie probably so wow. again that's nice. a w for me uh do 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 we got felix and wolfgang we did that we got son uh will and riley this smoochin he's kissing yeah I don't know. I think it's just I would have liked it more if not for the fact that it was in the same episode as the like Colin good Wolfgang. Wolfgang and Kala stuff. Because um, it's just kind of like, hey, it's you. How's Iceland? Pretty <laughs> good. How's Chicago? It's good. good. Check out the <laughs> it's Elk like Train. It's like a dating app. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, you want to kiss? Yeah. Yeah. And at least, you know, they do a little gag where Will's like making out with the with the air and his partner's like, dude, what are you doing? And he has nothing to say. Like, what the f- you could never say anything that'll explain this. You just can't. Yeah. You're just like, um, I don't know. I'm tired. It's weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think to my, like, you know, before the pod, I was saying like, I kind of, I, I found myself emotionally attached to this one more. Um, I think Tuppence Middleton just does a really good job of feeling like truly smitten with Will and 
She's yeah. very she's very lonely despite having family, right? Like we talked about uh you know the value of family in like Wolfgang and Kala's plot and like technically uh Riley has that too. Her dad truly loves her very much, but also she's like torn in half because her mom is coming up to her as a ghost and being like you need to get the fuck out of Iceland, dude. Yeah. Uh and so she like is in she's got one foot in both both camps, which I think is interesting. Right. I I think my thing is just like the actors sell this one well um and so you can kind of like vibe with the vibe of it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there's not meat on the bones right now thematically speaking there's not much to to analyze i think your analysis there is compelling but then my question is like you know why why will right like what's what's the connection yeah they, i they established his dad earlier but they haven't done enough work with Will to make me care about his backstory at all. Yeah. Um, and I think they know that. They're like, there are, we have so many other interesting characters. Someone had to buckle. They could have made Will more interesting, and they don't. And that's, you know, it's fine. Um, yeah. They do have him, like, kind of lampshade his copness. And he's, like, asking her, like, oh, what happened to your mom? Why did she leave? And he's like, I'm sorry. You don't have to answer that. I ask way too many questions. Bad cop habit. Hilarious. A cop would never say this. Uh, also, the part where he's, like... He's living next to a train, which is pretty common in Chicago. And he says, like, you know, cops don't make a lot of money. And it's like, huh. <laughs> He's like very he obviously is very sympathetic. Like, come on, cops aren't that. We're not really uh-huh. like all making money on uh-huh. and bullshit. It's fine. Uh-huh. Uh anyways. I yeah. their kiss was kind of charming. I, I thought it was like, okay. Yeah, I think the, it's a nice kiss. It's well shot. Yeah. I need a girlfriend because i watch this show <laughs> i watch this show and i get so do- dopey romantic and then i turn to my like extremely hetero roommate and he just like smiles at me and nods and then looks back at the tv and i'm like damn someday <laughs> <laughs> uh you know it's neither funny. here nor there it's just something i always think about when people kiss on the show like it doesn't happen to me with other shows something mm-hmm. about like the love on sense eight is like it feels so nice and real and like what i want especially like mm-hmm. no me and amanita i'm like god damn that's just wonderful like look at that or Lido and yeah. hernando beautiful yeah riley has a brother no it's not a brother it's a family friend named sven yeah who has this neighbor <laughs> guy he says something about like i own one of the last two rotary phones in iceland I think this is something about like connecting to others. Like even when you're not a sensei, you still feel like I want to have a unique connection to another person and having a rotary phone is like that. Like it's like having a can attached to string or something, but that's me stretching on a line that is totally throwaway because that's what we like to do on the podcast. Mm. Um, Jumping back to Will, he's coaching Nomi and then a cop gets mad at him and says the worst line of the episode, which is this isn't a movie or a fucking TV show. I hate that when people say that, come on. I hate it more than anything else. How can you be writing a TV show or a movie and write that line? Come on. Like, how do you do that <laughs> and not laugh and at that? That's like too much for me. Like a lot of the show, I'm like, the corniness is good and actually, it's good actually and funny and whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that just like boils over into like, do you guys not know how to fucking write subtlety at all? Like you, I thought you did. Sometimes you do. I don't know. <laughs> so this isn't a TV show. You're suspended. It right. is funny that Will's the, like, why? off the force, give me your badge and gun moment, yeah. It, it's funny that he's like, why am I getting suspended? What did I do wrong? And he's like, are you kidding, Will? You broke every law, everything illegal right. that a cop can do, you've done. <laughs> what do you yeah. mean, why am I suspended? Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, this episode puts a lot of people in an interesting position. So we'll see how where they go from here. But mm-hmm. uh, the final scene of the episode, the climactic moment, uh, Rajan's father asks Kala to meet him in the square somewhere. He tells her about fate, fate and how choices can surpass luck. As a businessman, he's learned that you can't rely on fortune and good good circumstance. You have to make specific choices in your life. Mm-hmm. It's whatever. Uh, and then he's like, by the way, I could tell the reason you fainted was you to feel uncomfortable about this marriage. I actually think that you should annul the marriage. If you do me that favor, uh, we'll be fine with it and we'll have no issues. But you, Rajan is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? Why? And then meanwhile, poof, Assassin's Creed style, six men with balaclavas fucking come up and stab Rajan's father brutally in the stomach. Oh, God. He, and he <laughs> so rolls down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, that was a whole heck of a lot going on there. My parents watch a lot of uh, like Arabic soap operas, especially around Ramadan, because a ton of them come out at the at, around Ramadan. And this is exactly the kind of thing that happens in that show, where it's like, hmm. I think that you should not marry my son. But anyways, <laughs> what'll happen next week? Like, kind of absurd. Um, rest in peace, Rashan's dad, I guess. This is not where I expected yeah. this plot to go. I thought he was going to just be like an evil man, but uh, who knows? Yeah, me me too. The, the show is doing this across both these episodes, like killing off the people that it told you were antagonist potentially to be like yeah. just kidding there's another antagonist and it's like well okay well just tell me who the bad guy is and let's let's deal with that and do something with that i don't know i think it'll get there it'll, yeah, it'll establish yeah, yeah. firmer bad guys but yeah. yeah it's weird rest in peace um any stray notes before we rank the sensates let's see i have a couple i noticed for the first time this time that uh there's a sign in the intro that says twin peaks which yep. you told me was an area of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Actual mountains, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I like when Kathy's is trying to explain to his mom the change of plans, and she says, troubles like this feel far less troubling on a full stomach. But, like, I don't... I have nothing to do... I can't help you with your problem, but I can feed you. It's a very, <laughs> like, parent thing to do. <laughs> yeah. so good. Yeah. That's all I got, though. Uh, I don't think I had any big ones. Something, something. I like overanalyzing this show. Wolfgang is at Felix's hospital bed and is not letting himself feel his feelings. He's not letting himself cry. And that's why Kala gets the full brunt of his feelings and cries at the movie. Mm. It's yeah. not just that, like, it, it's it's specifically that he is, like, trapped in this masculinity brought on by his father and by his upbringing at that, yeah. like, he has so much emotion and all of it's coming out on her, which I thought was really interesting and, like, on the page you know yeah uh, and like a like a you know that happens in real relationships between men and women right totally absolutely Which is, so it's interesting to see that happen psychically as well a small detail son gets left a paintbrush and food for saving sujin uh i think that's the moment where they're like why don't you paint with us but it's cool that they like something about like giving you a paintbrush we're gonna let you create art with us it was mm-hmm. really nice mm-hmm. uh, and subtle uh hilarious moment hilarious hilarious moment we totally forgot to talk about it when riley and will are flirting he's like oh what's iceland like and she's like oh i can take you to reykjavik and he's like oh you can probably pronounce the cool volcano in iceland and she fucking soys it says it right away awesome (laughs) and he goes what does he say my roommate fucking died laughing it was like i could show you around reykjavik 
So cool. I want to see the volcano no one can pronounce the name of. God bless you. Really <laughs> <laughs> charming. Uh, so good. Those, those shitty wedding planners are back and call us plot line. They don't really, they're just like, the astrologers say the new wedding date is even better. It's better than the last one. I mean, that one was good, but this one's way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the classic like salesperson thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already talked about FaceTime without a phone and how that's a yucky yeah. uh, movie, TV show. That's pretty much everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, you want to rank the sensates? Yeah, let's do it. So I think the last time we did this was in episode two, right? Mm-hmm. So let's um, do this once again. Um, so it looks like, is this list up to date, the one that you have here, or is this not? Because it doesn't even have that's, all eight people in it. Well, that's because in episode two, Cappy uh, oh, and Sun weren't in the episode, so we, le- we left them off the list. Okay, let's just go down this and do the same thing, where we put the first person at the top and then do better or worse. Okay. Uh, Lito Rodriguez, congrats, you're number one. Uh, for now, no, for now. Nomi Marks, better or worse than Lito? Better than Lito, I think. Lito, okay. Lito let us down. I agree. He's got to, he's got to make some better choices soon. Easy. Uh, Kala Dandekar, better or worse than Lito? Better than Lito. Uh, better or worse than Nomi? Better. Really? I guess. I don't know. It's hard to say. I think that I, you made a good point in the first discussion half about like how the hacker stuff is pretty hammy and not good, not a good way. Yeah, I think I'm not liking the way that the main plot is manifesting in Nomi's mm-hmm. Nomi's story, and that hasn't happened to Kala's story yet, but it starts to in the very, very last moments of this episode. So maybe the Kala plot will go down in my steam once we once we do that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Riley Blue. Better or worse than Lido? Uh, uh, worse than Lido. You think so? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think so. She's getting there with Will, but not by much. Yeah. I do Wolfgang love her, Bog- her dad. Her dad's great. Right. If we're ranking the plots, but I think we're ranking the people right now. <clears throat> yeah. Wolfgang Bogdano? <laughs> Definitely better than Riley. Yeah. Better than Lido? No, I don't think so. Okay, it's easy. Uh, Will Gorski. I wrote Will Fuckboy because I forgot his last name. <laughs> Gorski can stay right at the bottom there. It's fine. <laughs> okay, great. Sorry, Kathy Sonyango. Oh, way up. Better than Lido? Yeah. Yeah, better than Nomi? E- I think Kathy is number one. Yeah. And uh, Sunbeck. Um... Better than Will, better than Riley, better than Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. Not better than Leto. I think that's right. Yeah, I think and that's right. the, and that's because the show doesn't want to do too much with her, other than right. make her a cool martial arts lady and a feminist, right. which are both good yeah. things. But like, let's get a little more meat on that bone. Can you guys uh-huh. tell I have chicken in the oven cooking and I really want to eat? Can you tell? We can't talk about <laughs> meat on the fucking bone. Sheesh. Uh, I'm, I'm Alan. Anyways. That's the sense. Let me just go down the list again. Number one, Caffius. Number two, Kala. Number three, Nomi. Number four, Leto. Number five, Sun. Number six, Wolfgang. Number seven, Riley. And number eight, Will. Uh, we'll keep that ranking somewhere for now, and then we'll we'll check in again in a few weeks. Groovy. You want me to tell you what we're watching next time on Chat Saint Magellan? Please do. 
Next time on Chatsy, we're watching uh, Sense8, Season 1, Episode 9, Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye, as well as Season 1, Episode 10, What is Human, which has a Buckwild thumbnail on IMDb. Wow. Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye. Riley learns about her new life and its dangers. Kala deals with the aftermath of the attack on Rajan's father, and Leto's world spins out of control. Give me some dark Leto. I can't Give me wait. Some dark Leto. Although I like when the show is nice to everybody, I also want people's like lives to get messed up a little bit. That's kind of right. entertaining to me, you know? Right. I think it'll be fun. And in What is Human, Will learns more about his origins and the threat to his future while Wolfgang's actions catch up with him, even as his bond with Kala strengthens. Fabulous. And the week yeah. after that, we're finishing season one. It's flying right by. Look at that. Look at that prestige television from 2015. Ah, yeah. great. Um, next thing we do is I ask you, Magellan, where can people find you on the podcast sphere? You can also listen to me on another podcast, a video game book club called Super Smash Echoes. Check us out. We play video games related to Super Smash Brothers, and it's a fun time. Super Smash Echoes. Alan, what about you? I can be found on... What podcast am I on? It's called Oops More Anime. It's found on scanlinemedia.com. Uh, it's a podcast where my friend Six and I watch an episode of Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, every week as the show is airing. It's the first time a Gundam show has aired live in like five, six years, maybe. Uh, it's exciting. We're having a great time. It's like a smaller format of chats, but about anime. And uh, yeah, it's called Oops More Anime. Do you want to take the plug zone this week? I surely do. If you would like to get in touch with the show, you have a few options for how to do so. You can email us at chatspod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash chatspod. Uh, we love to hear feedback, questions, comments, suggestions. Uh, and if you want to talk about the show with us on the show, we welcome you and your involvement. Please just let us know what episode you want to talk about. We'll get you in the schedule. You can also join fellow listeners over at reddit.com slash r slash chatspod and on our Discord, which is a benefit for our patrons. At $1 and up on our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash chatspod, you can get access to the Discord and the smattering of previous bonus episodes. $3 a month and up gets you access to our twice-monthly bonus content as well as our entire backlog of bonus episodes, which of which there are quite a few, uh, several hundred at this point. $5 and up gets you thanked at the end of our episodes. So special thanks to Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, my mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick and Pat of the Brothers in Infinite War, Six, and Stefan for being $5 patrons. We really appreciate it. You can also check out our website at chatspot.com, support at Camillustrator for our podcast art, and uh, rate us wherever you listen to podcasts or recommend us to a, a friend or a pal. Who wants to listen to a show about Sense8 or about the other things we talk about? Speaking of other things we talk about, we like to end our episodes by giving little media recommendations, little chatsums, things for you to snack on between now and next time. Alan? Yes? What's your chatsum for this week? My chatsum is a movie that I had the pleasure of watching last Friday. Uh, it's The Banshees of Innie Sharon, uh, which is a new film from Martin McDonough, the director of films like... Uh, Seven Psychopaths, uh, In Bruges, uh, the third one. Oh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, pretty interesting, like, backlog of films. And uh, a friend of the podcast, Jim, was like, you want to see this movie? And I was like, I do. What's it about? And he was like, well, two friends aren't friends anymore. 
And uh, it's a dark comedy uh, that takes place in Ireland in the 1920s, I believe. And it stars uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson as uh, two strapping Irish lads uh, who, yeah, were like just good pals and drinking buddies for years. And then one day, Brendan Gleeson is like, nope, don't talk to me anymore. Don't want to be friends with you. Colin Farrell, charming as he is, is like, but why? And this is like in a thick Irish accent. Imagine him saying all of this. Uh, it's just, it's funny. I don't want to say much more about where it goes. They managed to get an hour and 54 minutes out of a very simple premise, uh, with a beautiful ending. Um, if it's wonderful shots of the Irish countryside, there are metaphors to be made about like the Irish civil war, uh, which are really interesting and, uh, some great performances across the board. I, I do think that this movie might get some Oscar buzz for performances, uh, not like best actor, but maybe a nomination. Um, so the Banshees of Inisharan. It's currently in theaters if you can find it. Otherwise, uh, you know where to go. <laughs> what about you, Michelle? What do you got for this week? I also have a movie recommendation of something that I watched last Friday. I've only seen the first 40 minutes of it because, hey, it was a long day and I started falling asleep hey. and I haven't finished it yet. But uh, it is Weird, the Al Yankovic story. <gasps> and it's the new Weird Al movie starring Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al. And if you were worried that it wasn't going to be good because how could something that's so perfect ever be good, I've got good news for you. It's not like revolutionarily genius, but it definitely is good. Thumbs up. Good movie. Fun to watch. Made me laugh. Daniel Radcliffe's having a good time. It's essentially, uh, you know, skewering music biopics. You'd think, didn't we already put those to rest with uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Well, it turns out they kept making these fucking things. And so Weird is like, let me take another crack at it. And uh, puts a spin on the formula that that's fun. I don't want to say too much about it. But um, it is very self-deprecating, very irreverent, very silly. Uh, all the very best things about Weird Al. And it's just a delight to watch this guy take a victory lap because... Uh, I love him so much, and he deserves it, having been a force for good and a pop culture icon for for decades at this point. Um, Literally. So, yeah. And it's free on Roku, so go go watch it. Why not? That's good to hear. I honestly I, – I, I think the marketing did a good job of not making it clear if it was an earnest Weird Al biopic or not. Uh, because I was – you know, everyone was like, what's there to say? He was like a pretty – happy successful dude for a while and then he became a pretty successful singer through talent mostly and good luck i guess mm. yeah well the the movie takes those real events and twists them into the music biopic version of them so like suddenly weird al's amazingly supportive parents turn into like terrible shitty parents who like oh. don't want him to play the accordion and oh want God. him to work in the factory and stuff what um and now he's like a drug addict and there's a whole what? drug thing. Yeah, it, it it's like, yeah. It's but it doing, knows it's doing that on purpose. It's doing the beats of Weird Al's life and telling like real anecdotes, recognizably mm -hmm. real moments, but like putting them in a funhouse mirror of how these things get movie-fied yeah. um, to kind I of like that. draw attention to how ridiculous these these things are. I love that very much. I'll, I might check that out. Roku channel. Yeah. Well, thank you, Magellan, for being the caffiest to my Jella because you're my favorite motherfucker. Oh. 
And thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of Chats 8. Peace.